You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. Okay, well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Redeeming Grace Church and the the uh, Zoom worship service today. It's the first time we've done this on Zoom, uh, so it's a little strange, but it's uh, what we have to work with today, um, just with uh, as many uh, cases that have been going on in our city, and then there's a couple of folks even in within our church who've tested positive, and then a couple more of us that are waiting on some tests. We just, this seemed like the wise course of action practically, and then also just uh, health-wise, and so there's no indication that we have any spread from any of our gatherings, but uh, we'd like to keep it that way uh, at this point. So uh, thanks for joining us here on Zoom. This thing is being live streamed on YouTube as well. So uh, so watch your, uh, watch your language and your uh, activities. Uh, the whole world can, can see what we're doing. Uh, but uh, I do thank you for jumping on with us. And I know that we have a few people on YouTube as well. So uh, this will work best if we, uh, if we keep ourselves muted during the service. Uh, that way, uh, just one person's audio is coming through and it'll be much cleaner and easier to follow along. And then um, also uh, redeeminggrace.info, you can see an order of service if you want to there. Uh, you can also um, just kind of check out what's going on in the life of our church. Uh, you can also uh, join our text group, text the, the word join RGC to 97000. That'll get you in the text um, in the text group. And especially on days like today where we have to make a quick last minute uh, change, it's really helpful to be able to get a text out to everybody. So all the more important to make sure that you're getting uh, in the stream of communication, emails, texts, um, checking RGC uh, or uh, redeeminggrace.info regularly. Uh, that's a, that's the best way for us to be able to make quick decisions like this and still keep everybody in the loop. So obviously no picnic today. We were hoping that that would happen after church today, but obviously that won't happen today. We will reschedule that, but not exactly sure when. And our hope is that this is just a one Sunday deal that uh, hopefully uh, some tests come back negative this week and we can get back to our regular service on next Sunday. And uh, we're still planning to launch all the things that we were hoping to on September 13th with Sunday school and stuff. But we'll just have to monitor that and just see if, if we need to bump it back, we will. So, um, you know, we just kind of take it week to week. So thanks for being patient on that. Um, just a couple things in terms of this particular service, there is a comments or a chat section uh, on Zoom here. It's probably a little easier to use if you're on a laptop than, than a TV or a phone. Uh, but when we get to our pastoral prayer, which will be after the scripture reading, um, if you wanted to throw some prayer requests in there, I will include those in my prayer. Um, uh, you don't have to, but if you would like to insert something there, you could also text me or something like that. Um, uh, try to get those in quickly if you want me to include those in my prayer. And then also Justin's going to give our message from Psalm 118. And so if you have any questions, you could type them in the chat. Uh, you also, I think there's a little hand raise feature here um, to where if you had a question or a comment you wanted to make, uh, I think you can raise your hand somewhere. I don't know where it is. Or you can also text them in like normal and we'll, uh, we'll interact with your questions. We'll still do, do the Q&A afterwards. So. so there we go. That's kind of the housekeeping things to start with. 
Um, and we are going to try to do some singing. Melody is going to lead us there, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. Keep yourself muted so that we can hear clearly as she's playing, but feel free to sing along. It will feel a little strange, but, you know, hey, that's, that's life, so um, we do want to sing praise to the Lord, so uh, let me go ahead and give us our call to worship this morning from Psalm 118.24, and then I will uh, have the McGeary's unmute and lead us in a song. Uh, so Psalm 118.24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, that is certainly true, even on this weird day. Let's, uh, let's be grateful for the good, uh, the good day God's given us, and let's rejoice in it. So McGeary's, take it away. Please sing along with us, with me. Uh, I know it might feel weird, but I encourage you to just try to focus on singing the Lord together. So. Open space. 
Amen. That was great. Thank you, Melody. Um, and Krista, I had you down to read uh, John 11. Are you up for that? Yep, I can do that. Okay. okay. So you can follow along here on the screen. Hopefully you can see it okay. And let's just read John 11 uh, together. John 11, 1 through 44. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, or yeah, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was, was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he who loves whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going there again. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met with him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and, her, and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rode quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud, a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Thank you, Krista. Um, so we will uh, jump back into the Gospel of John next Sunday. Uh, we're almost all the way caught up there uh, to where we had already preached through um, into, into chapter 12. And so uh, this will be our last Sunday in Psalms, uh, going back to, um, to John here in John chapter 12. So all right, let's uh, let's spend some time in prayer. So if you would just bow your heads and uh, let's let's spend some time just before the Lord. Um, I will lead us in some requests, um, uh, but also in your own heart, join, join with these prayer requests and let's pray together in all of our different locations, but yet united in prayer. So let's, uh, let's go before the Lord right now. Let's bow our heads. Oh God, we uh, come before you and we give thanks for this day. And we give thanks for this technology that allows us to stay connected imperfectly. Uh, this is not uh, the way church is intended to be, but we, we, we thank you uh, that in some measure we can um, share together uh, at the same time in the same, uh, in the same way, uh, words uh, of scripture, words of prayer, songs. And so we give you thanks, Lord, for all of the, the blessings that you have given us, Lord, as we uh, listen to the reading of John chapter 11. We are reminded that uh, this is not just a, a story in history. It is that uh, that verifies your claims, uh, but it's also in, in some measure our own spiritual story that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and the voice of Jesus called into the tomb of our hearts and uh, brought us to life. Um, and so God, we thank you that your you called us from darkness into light, that you have made us new people, that you have raised us from the dead by your spirit. And now uh, we are in the process of having our grave clothes taken off and our new selves uh, emerging. And so, Lord, we, we thank you that because of what Christ has done, uh, his life, his death, his resurrection for sin and uh, for sinners, uh, Lord, that we can turn from our sin now and trust in you. And uh, that call um, brought us to life and helped us. Um, caused us to believe in you, and now we are walking uh, 
uh, imperfectly, but hopefully fully, uh, more and more fully each, each day in this new life that you've given us. So Lord, help us never to forget that and help us to continue to repent. We confess that we still, in many ways, have our grave clothes on. In many ways, we still uh, struggle with sin. We still deal with the effects of sin. We still feel the brokenness and death and of sin. And uh, Lord, so we ask for your help um, in helping us to live uh, more fully into this new life that you have given us in Christ. Uh, Lord, we uh, lift up some things to you. Lord, we do pray for those of us in our midst that are sick. Uh, we pray for uh, for Sarah and for Dylan, Lord, that uh, these coming days that they um, would uh, recover well and that, uh, that you would uh, just preserve them through this time and that even in this time you would commune with them uh, as they're at home and resting. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that there would be uh, something spiritually beneficial about this time with them. And so we, we pray for your protection upon them and for good recovery. Uh, we pray for those uh, others who um, are, are not feeling well and not sure exactly if it's COVID related or not. And so Lord, we just pray for your providence in that, your care and ask for your grace in that way. I pray for uh, the Barrios as they just continue to journey down uh, a very serious road. We th I thank you for their, their joy and their hope and just pray that you would uh, continue to sustain them and uh, the different processes that are still in front of them, uh, treatments and uh, surgeries and, and different things, Lord, that you would just, um, that you would just uh, preserve them and protect them and uh, Lord, that they would feel your sweetness even in this time and that things would, would, would move in a positive direction for them. We also pray for other family members of theirs who are in, in different struggling situations. Pray the same thing for our uh, for Bob as he continues to recover from his knee. Um, Lord, we pray for those who uh, have babies. Uh, uh, we, we pray for the Hansons as they just continue to get used to, to Theo. And Lord, we just pray that you'd bless him and, and just protect, protect them as they uh, get their feet under them as parents. And uh, we pray that you would um, help them for Kasem also uh, the, as the um, Robins uh, just uh, get used to, to him and he to them and, and just all that goes on with there. We pray for the coming babies, the Holdens, the Hirschfelds and the Peacocks and others, Lord, who, uh, who are expecting babies here um, for some of them any day now. And so God, we just ask for your grace upon them. And we thank you for the new life that you have gifted them and uh, pray that they would lead well. I do pray for Josh and Christine as they uh, continue to um, uh, just pursue seminary and get engaged in Kansas City. Lord, I, I thank you for that they're getting plugged into a church and will become members there and do a mentorship program. So we just pray for them as they continue to pursue missions. Uh, Lord, we pray for Abby as she's at college and glad that she's doing well. Just pray a blessing on her. For Stephen as he prepares to, uh, to go and work at, at the camp up in Alaska next year. Uh, God, we just pray that you'd provide for all of his needs. And so, God, there are many other things. Uh, we want to pray for these specifically because these are our brothers and sisters. Uh, but, Lord, I know that there are many other things on our hearts and minds. And so, Lord, I pray that even in these moments, we would lift those up to you and know that you are with us, that you care for us, uh, that you are working all things for good for those that love you. And so, Lord, help us to trust your promises. Help us to, be, to persevere in faith. Help us to be patient when we are, are waiting for answers. And Lord, I pray that our light, uh, our lives would, would shine the glory of Christ and others would see how we deal with trials, how we deal with difficulty and, uh, and, and see something of Jesus in us uh, as a community and as individuals. So Lord, we ask that many would come to faith in Christ through our, uh, the way we live our lives. 
And then lastly, Lord, I just pray for Justin as he's about to open your word for us. Uh, God, we just ask that you would speak through him. This is a, an odd way to try to communicate uh, your message, but I pray, Lord, that we would have receptive hearts, uh, that he would be able to speak clearly and explain the text clearly, and we would hear your voice in his voice today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, Bree, can I have you maybe read Psalm 118, and then uh, uh, Justin will uh, will um, preach the word to us. So here we go. Can you guys hear me? Okay, this is the computer that cuts my voice out, so let me know if you can't hear me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surround me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is, go is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Thank you, Bree. Um, let us, let's pray together and ask for the Lord's help. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that um, 
your word is powerful in whatever circumstances uh, we come to it. And I pray that you would help us now uh, in this rather uh, strange situation. Uh, and pray, O oh Lord, that you would now um, feed us with your word, um, that we would be uh, strengthened and encouraged um, by the things that you say to us about who you are. Um, so help us now to see Jesus uh, more clearly than we ever have before we pray in his name. Amen. All right, this is definitely possibly one of the more strange uh, preaching situations I've ever been in. So um, hopefully, uh, if something isn't clear, you can come up with a question afterwards and we can clarify things. Also, I realized I didn't send Josh any slides. So those of you who really like to have the outline, um, I will give it to you um, and hopefully uh, that will be clear. And if you want some of my notes, I can definitely pass those along to you uh, at some point. So um, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation where um, it, it was, you were in a pinch, you know, or things were getting really, really hard at work. Perhaps your boss was breathing down your neck. Um, you had deadlines that are coming. Uh, or perhaps uh, a severe illness, you know, a, a chronic illness even, one over time uh, that continually plagued you, or maybe the press of bills, you know, you have a bill that's to be paid, and you didn't know how you were going to pay the bill, or you didn't know where the uh, medication or solution was to your illness, or how on earth you would ever be able to satisfy the demands of your boss, and things were looking rather, rather difficult, and then suddenly, unexpectedly, uh, there's a change, there's a reversal, uh, you know, suddenly you, you know, the, the deadline for your, your work project was moved, backed up. You had more time. You could see now how it could be fulfilled or there's a new medication discovered um, or someone, uh, you got a raise at work and so you could pay the bills or someone graciously wrote you a check and then you're just so relieved. You know, you're, you had that, that experience of waking up from a nightmare and realizing it was just a bad dream and life is better than you imagined or that you dreamed and you're happy and you marvel and you even start, you know, you tell everybody about how bad things were and how good things are now. Uh, maybe you even start singing a little bit and jumping and dancing around your house. Um, that is exactly what Psalm 118 is like. Um, the psalm is, is a, a significant reversal and spends most of the time uh, thinking about the good side of the reversal. Um, and so this morning, I would like, because we're on Zoom, I'm going to try to keep things shorter. Um, and so I have several bullet points that we're going to go through. The first one is I, I'm going to just give a quick overview of the psalm. We'll just kind of march through the different major sections. And then I want to talk about the danger that the, the psalmist faces, the nature of the rescue, and the confidence and praise that results from the rescue. And then finally, the last little bit, and we'll conclude with just looking how John, in his gospel, in John chapter 12, the chapter right after John 11, which we read this morning, how John uses Psalm 118 to help us to uh, know who Jesus is. So, so let's start with the overview of Psalm 118. Uh, it captures the victory of what seems to be a, a king. Uh, the king in battle, and it's almost like uh, actually a bit of a national anthem. It's a, it's a parade song. 
Um, and the Jews sang it at a lot of their major festivals. They would sing it at uh, Passover. They would sing it at uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. And it starts in the first four, first four verses with a call to praise. You know, the Lord is good. Uh, his steadfast love endures forever. And everyone is told to say the phrase. Everyone is told to praise the Lord. And then in verses 5 through 13, it's more or less the king recounting the danger on the battlefield. And, and we'll look at that. That's where the danger section is. But then he moves on to the victorious camp. So after battle, they move back into the camp and they're packing up camp and they're, they're all excited and they're singing in the camp. That's verses 14 through 18. And then you have the parade section, the parade of the army marching back to the city and up to the temple in Jerusalem in verses 19 through 26. So you get this real celebratory uh, element in verses 14 through 26 in the camp and then in marching through the city. And then the final little section, verses 27 and 28, they march right up to the altar in the temple, the very heart of God's house to give thanks to the Lord, to make a sacrifice. And then it concludes again with the same call that we had in verse one, with verse 29, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And this is an interesting, this is not a, a lot of the Psalms we read are solos, you know, one person singing. This seems to be, a, Psalm 118 is more of a musical. You know, you can imagine all the people on stage, the king sings his part, the priest sings his part, the people sing their part. It's a big production, it's, it's a huge song. Uh, and that's what we have going on here. So it seems that uh, it's the Psalms not clearly written by David, but it certainly seems to be about David at least, or the words of David in some way. So what does the king have to say to his people as, he's, as they're singing through the streets? Well, this is, now we're going to look at the danger. The danger that the king faces was that of defeat and then death in battle. And so let's look a little bit at verses, verse five, we get this cry, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. Then jump to verse 10, all the nations surrounded me. In verse 11, they surrounded me, they surrounded me on every side. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees, they went out like a fire among thorns. And then there's verse 13, I was pushed hard. Some translations say I was pushed violently so that I was falling. So let's unpack some of these uh, descriptions of the danger. Uh, my distress, this, this word for distress could mean trouble, but it also captures the image of a being enclosed. You know, for those of you who are claustrophobic, uh, this is like he's being crushed in. Uh, he's being pressed. And how is he being pressed? Well, we get the word surrounded multiple times all around in every way we get this description of surrounded all the nations surrounded me and how did they well they surrounded me on every side and if you have ever been in battle and i imagine most of you haven't um i haven't um but you generally want your enemy to be in front of you and all of your teammates to be behind you and, and to your sides so you want your enemy more or less in a rather restricted area so you just i i, I don't know exactly but you're just swinging the sword in one direction but if you have everyone all around you, you're in big trouble. And so the, the king recounts that he was surrounded on every side by all the nations. Now, and this image of bees, 
this language of surrounding can often be used engulfed by water. Jonah says that he was, he was engulfed or surrounded by water when he fell into the ocean. And here, one of the things he's surrounded, he's surrounded like bees. Now, when I was about, um, probably about four or five, my mom uh, took us with some uh, friends, uh, another family to the park. And the park had kind of the main area of, you know, like swings and slides and these sorts of things. But then sort of on the edge of the park, there was a, what, like one of those old metal, like not a merry-go-round, but one of those things that you spin and spin and spin and spin. And a lot of grass had grown up all around it. And for whatever reason, everyone had this kind of known, you don't go and play on that thing for some reason. Like they didn't mow around it and, and that sort of thing. Well, the day that we happened to be at the park, uh, some kids, you know, probably 10, 11, 12, they decide that they were gonna try it out. So they go and they jump on it. Well, the reason it turns out that people didn't use it was there was a massive beehive underneath. And so they stirred up the beehive and within seconds, there were bees everywhere. Uh, I mean, children were screaming, you know, parents are trying to like grab their kids and run with their kids to the car, you know, ripping off shirts because the bees get into your shirt and kids are getting stung all over their bodies. You know, I, I didn't get stung, I, it was a miracle. Uh, but everyone else was just like bites and stings all over. It was, it, was, uh, it was definitely frightening for being four or five. Everyone was screaming, the parents were clearly panicked. But here, the image of bees, uh, it, everywhere. You can just imagine the image of bees. You are completely surrounded and there's no way you're going to get out of this alive. Um, and David says, or, or the king says, that he was pushed violently. He's pressed and about to fall. Now, it's one thing to be surrounded by your enemies. It's another to be on the ground and have your enemies all around you because now you're in even worse trouble. The, all they have to do now is lay on top of you and stab you. So by the time you fall, you're pretty much done. So it's in every way a very, very desperate situation. And here's the other thing. If your king dies in battle, well, that usually means that there's bad things that's gonna happen for the whole nation. You know, as the king goes, so do the people. So the king dying in battle is not just a personal crisis uh, and him losing his life, but the very likelihood that the people themselves are now gonna be enslaved uh, may be taken to a foreign country. So it, it, there's a lot of ramifications for this. So this looks really ugly, but there is hope. And in fact, most of the Psalm spends time talking about the rescue and how great it is to be rescued. In verse five, it says, the Lord answered me and set me free or set me in a broad place. So before telling how the battle um, actually goes, we already hinted at verse five, it's gonna go well. Things are gonna turn out okay, even though things will look ugly. And this language of being set free is actually the language of going from a crushed, tight, compact space where the enemy is closing in on you. And it's almost like the Lord teleports him and puts him into a free open space. Now he's got room to breathe and room to move. And here's the key thing about the rescue. If you read through it, the Lord, gets all the credit, every single bit. That You won't find anything that says, the king saying, by the way, I contributed this one little ounce to this victory. Nothing. Entirely, entirely the Lord. And this actually is interesting because last week, Pastor Josh 
told us as he was preaching through, was it Psalm 79? I can't remember exactly. Psalm 79, where it talks about how bad Israel is, but how great the Lord is. Well, here we get all the positives about what the Lord did to rescue. The Lord is the hero. And it's kind of curious because most leaders want to take credit for any little bit of good that they do. But here, here the, the king gives everything to the Lord. So let's look at these. The only reason for the rescue is the Lord. The Lord answered me. He's the one who sets me in the broad place. He moved me out of the tight spot and moved me into the open and into the clear. Now the enemy surrounded me on every side. But verse 7, the Lord is on my side. Suddenly the Lord is right there with him. And so he's in good shape. He's in better shape. And the Lord is his helper. And so it doesn't matter what man can do to him with the Lord right next to him. It doesn't matter that he's surrounded on every side. Verses eight and nine, he's in the middle of a battlefield, but he says, the Lord is a refuge. The Lord is like a moving fort. The Lord is like his tank around him. He's safer than you could imagine. Or then in verses 10 through 12, three times, three times we get in the name of the Lord, I cut them off. So he's surrounded by the enemy. And so you would expect the way the story would go would be the enemy would say, we surrounded David and we cut him off. But in fact, actually, though he's surrounded in the name of the Lord, the Lord who's at his side, he actually is the one who cuts off the enemy. Now, in the ancient world, uh, you have ki small kings, little kings, and you have big kings. Uh, you have, you know, little fish and big fish. And one of the things that you'll find if you read through the, the Bible, uh, as well as even literature from this time period, when a little king is surrounded and about to be swallowed up by bigger, tougher armies, they will call out to the big king and they'll say, hey, I need your help. And the big king will then come in and save the day. And so when David says in the name of the Lord, it's because he calls on the name of the Lord and the Lord shows up. It's in the name of the Lord that he defeats the enemy. And then verses 15 through 16, again, we get three times. The right hand of the Lord, not the right, not my right hand. I'm the great king. I'm the awesome king. By my right hand, I defeat the enemy. You know, he says, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. It's the, it's the Lord's skill, the Lord's strength that fights. And so the conclusion of the matter is in verse 17 and 18, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. The, the extremes of this is a life and death situation. I was pressed. I was falling to the ground. The Lord picks me up and then fights all of my enemies. And I'm going to live. The Lord has provided for my life. And here's the big phrase that throughout the psalm captures our attention at the very beginning and the very end. Is that it's because the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. This phrase, the Lord is good for his steadfast love endures forever, actually shows up in the Old Testament a ton. It's a phrase you'll find in all sorts of psalms, uh, in the psalms, uh, and it's regularly a part of Israel's temple worship. It's like their anthem, the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And I mean, just that it's a hard phrase to kind of capture, but in English, it's, it's pretty good. It's steadfast love forever. In the ancient world, the kings and peoples would make covenants. They'd make these kind of treaties with each other. And someone who keeps their side of the bargain always would be someone who is said to have steadfast love. 
And the thing is, is that the Lord, if you read through the Bible, the Lord never, ever, ever breaks a promise or fails to keep a promise. There's, you just can't find one. He has a spotless record. But you, if you look at the world of politics today, you can find it's, it kills a politician to make a promise and then not follow through. You know, if you make promises to somebody and you don't uphold your end of the deal, that really kills a relationship. But the Lord, his steadfast love endures forever. He is always faithful. You can always count on him to uphold his side of the bargain. And so uh, the steadfast love of the Lord is what enables David or the king to have victory. And here's the thing, this rescue mission that the Lord is on builds up, uh, builds up confidence in praise. So this is the next point. You know, we've looked at a lot of kind of sad psalms, you know, laments where life is really hard and you're kind of unburdening your soul to the Lord. Like, why are you letting this happen? I'm crying. I've cried out my eyes. And if that was all that the psalms were, you know, you might be able to feel honest with the Lord, but you're not necessarily going to feel like you can have a whole lot of hope in this life. And so actually this, this psalm of thanksgiving and praise is also a testimony. It's a testimony to what God has done. And so it should build up us as we listen. It should, and it builds up God's people. And we see that actually in the song. The king comes back and says, look at, look at what the Lord did. And so everyone's like, hooray, you know, this God is awesome. Um, so the testimony of the psalm is aimed to promote God's glory, aimed to promote confidence in the Lord, uh, you know, bring that sense of relief. We won the battle. You know, commercials are all about testifying to how great some product or uh, source of relief is, you know, medication or whatever uh, thing that you need, you know. Um, so this psalm is aimed to make God's people want to trust God more. In verse uh, five, he says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can anyone do to me? With a, with a God like this. And it also aims to correct, the psalm aims to correct misplaced confidence. Look at verses eight and nine. It's better to trust the, in the Lord than to trust in humans or, or, or even princes. Like, okay, not just anybody, but let's say the, the rich and powerful. It's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in princes. And back in that day, the princes would have been the ones with the money all the military training, and they would have had the troops. And it's better to trust in the Lord. And this is one of those places where, as a church, we need to reflect on, you know, what are the things we place our confidence in? You know, who do you look to for strength, for hope, encouragement, for peace when life gets hard, when you're pressed, when things are tough? This, this, is, this, this psalm should actually, we should be able to take a hold of this psalm and say, this is a testimony to what God can do, and this is how we ought to live. We can live with the same confidence that David is telling us about. And then the other thing is, is that not only is our confidence in the Lord growing as we hear about what great things he's done, and we should tell each other about the ways God has helped us, the way God has rescued us, but then you give praise. Giving praise is one of those ways that also builds your confidence. You remember how Man, do you remember when we were surrounded? Do you remember how, how bleak it looked? And then the Lord came in. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you've ever received 
uh, a gift or, or maybe someone who came in and rescued you from a, a tough situation that you, you, you didn't deserve it or you saw someone else, they got rescued, they didn't deserve it, but they, the help was unbelievable. And, and so you just, you can't help but shout for joy. You can't help but be, like just be thankful and have that kind of feeling of elation and, and joy versus somebody who has the same experience and you've watched it or maybe you've done it and and you're just kind of like oh yeah that's that's great you know thank you i appreciate appreciate it and then you move on with your life you know if you've ever seen that you think wow how could someone be so ungrateful you know it makes your heart kind of hardened uh to the goodness of other people let alone to god and here the king the first thing that the king wants to do is he wants to testify to what the lord has done which is what essentially makes the whole parade possible but then he wants to go as quickly as possible he wants to go as quickly as possible to the lord he wants to go right to the temple and give thanks to the lord that's how how thankful he is versus someone who maybe isn't thankful takes him you know several years to write a thank you card for something that you did or something something good that they received they just it's just not on their priority list but here the king the king not only takes no credit, but he wants to go immediately to the Lord and to the Lord's house to sing his praises. And as we, as Christians, you know, as we read these Psalms, we want to read the Psalms and grow we, because we have trouble. We have a thanks, giving thanks problem. It's hard for us to be thankful. We, we love taking a little bit of credit wherever we can. You know, pride is never far from us. And so as we read these Psalms, and as we read them in light of what Jesus has done for us, the Psalms help us to learn how to praise God. And I would strongly encourage you to learn from the Psalms what it looks like to give thanks. This is a great example of what it looks like to actually be a thankful person is Psalm 118. Now, uh, let's, let's move finally to John chapter 12. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, um, you could look at John 12, John 12, verses 12 and 13, which is where John makes reference, where we get reference to this psalm. Psalm 118 actually gets quoted a lot in the New Testament, and we don't have any time really to look at all of those. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all quote this psalm. Uh, Peter quotes this psalm in Acts. Paul quotes it in Ephesians 2. And Peter again quotes it in his letter in 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, and here's the context of John chapter 12. Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead as we read this morning in chapter 11. And as you read through chapter 12, the raising of Lazarus is, is the buzz in, in Jerusalem news right now. Everyone is thinking, wow, uh, this guy raised the dead. And Jesus is now going into Jerusalem and a and sort of a spontaneous parade develops and here's the thing to note it's Passover time so Passover time people would have already been singing Psalm 118 but now they're really going to sing it so John chapter 12 verses 12 and 13 the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. So 
here's the thing. The people recognize exactly who Jesus is. Jesus has just come back from what may be the biggest victory anyone has ever had in human history, which is he's raised someone from the dead. So you kind of want a king who can do that. Um, and so they see this is the guy that God has promised. And Jesus, this, Jesus marching into town this way is the clearest demonstration of him publicly owning, yeah, I, I am the guy. I am God's hero. I am Israel's king. And of course, most folks are thinking, okay, he's going to kick the Romans out. So Psalm 118, the way it fits here is in Psalm 118, we have the king. He's just been faced with death on the battlefield, but death doesn't win. With the help of the Lord, he's victorious. Everyone's singing and shouting, and the parade is moving now into Jerusalem and moving towards the temple. And in fact, that's what Jesus is going to do. And here's one of the other things to note, though, that's kind of quite a little bit different. Jesus has defeated death, but he still has tons of enemies. The enemies aren't all gone, despite having defeated death. You know, in fact, because he defeated death, he's, his enemies seem to be increasing as you read through chapter 12. So there's this culmination of Psalm 118. The people are singing it. They they know who Jesus is, or at least they think they do. And so they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? The victory comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is the one who constantly is drawing on the name of the Father throughout the Gospel of John. But here's the thing. Psalm 118 ends with a sacrifice. They're going to sacrifice at the temple. And that is what John's Gospel is moving toward. Jesus is going to go up and not only... As he, the king, is victorious, but his victory is going to come through his own sacrifice. And here's the thing that the people are crying out. They're crying out, Hosanna, which is actually also a quote directly from Psalm 118, verse 25. Because Hosanna is simply the Greek for the Hebrew of Hoshana, which is, oh, save us, save us. So they're crying out, save us, save us, give us success. Jesus. And so Jesus is on a rescue mission. Interestingly enough, he is actually both the king and he's God who's going to rescue. He's the one who calls on the name of the Lord. And actually, um, just before Jesus raises Lazarus, let me read these words. This is what Jesus says. And this, there's the slightest echo of Psalm 118. In chapter 11, verses 41 and 42, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus, just like the king on the battlefield, calls on the name of the Lord, and Jesus knows the Lord will answer him. Jesus knows the Lord will answer him. And Jesus and God the Father are on a rescue mission in the Gospel of John. And here's the thing, in God, the Gospel of John, the phrase, the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, makes even more sense in light of John's Gospel. And in fact, one of the themes in John's Gospel is that those who trust in Jesus will have everlasting life because of the steadfast love of the Lord. It endures forever. 
there is life and not death. So let's give thanks to the Lord for his good, his steadfast love endures forever, never ceasing forever. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your steadfast love endures forever and ever and ever and ever. And we see it most clearly when we look at Jesus and all that he's done for us. And I pray, O oh Lord, that our confidence would grow, that we would grow in our ability to give you thanks. We'd grow in our ability to give you praise and stop taking credit for the blessings that you give to us. What do we have that, that we have not received? All good things come down from you. So teach us, O oh Lord, to praise you. Teach us to share you with others. Teach us to encourage each other daily, uh, reminding each other of all the things that you've done, not only in the past for your people, but the things you're doing even now. So break into our lives, O Lord, again, we pray, and remind us of all that we have to be thankful for. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sing with us again. We'll be singing in Christ alone.
great thank you guys um man it's just the the mcgeary's have shouldered the load today and i am grateful for that and thank you justin for walking us through this psalm uh really helpful and uh i know it's not not easy to try to communicate uh, you did a great job so thank you very much for serving us well this morning um so uh i am let's see i've got if you have a question, you can raise your hand and I'll unmute you. You could ask it yourself or you could type it here in the chat box. Uh, I'm gonna try to monitor a couple different platforms here to make sure everybody gets an opportunity. Um, <clears throat> oh, here we go. Thank you, Dylan. You ready? Justin, are you ready for this? I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I think. It comes from Dylan, so brace yourself. <clears throat> In verse 18, the psalmist talks about the Lord disciplining me, quote, but has not given me over to death. Would you be able to speak life to this and how being disciplined by the Lord and joining the Lord work together? How, sorry, how, how um, the discipline of the Lord and joy, is that what? Yeah, how disciplined by the Lord and joy in the Lord work together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so actually, I'm glad that you asked the question because... Um, and I'll sort of testify uh, a little bit. This is actually a psalm that uh, a few, two or three years ago, when things were very hard for me, it seemed like almost everything was collapsing uh, around me. I lost a job, uh, lost a lot of friends, uh, close friends, um, and, uh, and actually had people questioning my salvation. I was questioning my own salvation. Um, and it was actually verse verses 17 and 18, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Uh, I think that one of the recognitions that we have as sinful humans is that we don't deserve anything but death. And so, um, yet the Lord, when once we become the Lord's children, um, no longer... Um, we no longer fear that punishment of death. And clearly the psalmist recognizes, you know, death was an, an option. And through the, these hardships, the Lord, the Lord used those things to chasten me, to, to change me, to, um, to correct me, to redirect me. And it is actually, oddly enough, a great joy to know, like when you're going through something really, really hard, that the Lord does you his hard stuff, but he doesn't give you over uh, to, uh, to either your sin or to the devil and ultimately final judgment. Uh, there's joy actually, you, you know, in one sense, you could go through almost anything if you know that it's for your good. Um, if you know that the hardships that you face are actually the Lord moving you towards life and joy in him, uh, the, the hardships actually start changing. I mean, they don't necessarily become easy, but they're no longer, um, they're no longer a, a source of depression and discouragement. Uh, it becomes actually hope because you know the Lord will bring you through that. Uh, and sometimes I didn't know when I when I was going through some hard stuff whether I was actually gonna how I was gonna come out on the other side. But I kept clinging and praying these verses. And I think yeah, the joy is knowing that death isn't the end. Um, that the hardships are actually for knowing the Lord better, looking more like Him, trusting in Him more. Does that, is that, do you want to come back? Does that help a little bit? Um, 
yeah i just meant like <clears throat> when when the lord disciplines you um how how do the christians find joy in that discipline so when he's bringing you say you you walk the path of disobedience for a little bit and he disciplines you and brings you back to himself and you have to have that faith in god how does that how does the christian find joy in that is is kind of closer to what i was asking but how do you find joy in actual discipline yeah in the whole yeah yeah um i see i think um i think i would still answer it in some ways in the same way insofar as you're looking towards the end and knowing that what's happening now is actually for your good and and that the lord actually i think the other thing is one of the joys is that the lord interrupted you and stopped you from going in actually a direction that led to death so the chastening is actually sort of like you know redirecting you and especially if you're repentant you know repentance is turning in the other direction it's changing your mind and so i think that with that mentality that okay the lord protected me from ruining myself and now his chastening his discipline is like a parent who's lovingly shepherding their child in a better direction you know in one sense it, it there is still some pain but you actually know you have you can see sort of where you're headed and it's better than the way you were going i think is part of the key uh and sometimes we just give thanks to the lord uh for his discipline um, uh, because actually here's the other thing in Hebrews it says that the Lord disciplines the son in whom he delights and so actually in an odd way we often experience discipline as a negative thing because you often think uh, say God's mad at you but actually the way Hebrews frames it is that it's actually a sign of the delight and care of the Lord uh, and so in some ways you have to look past the immediate feeling of pain to see what's sort of behind it and where it's going, I guess, uh, is how you have to get sort of beyond it to have that joy. Is, is that help a little bit more? Yeah, it does say that no discipline is, is enjoyable in the moment, but the Lord disciplines those he loves. Um, and so, you know, the opposite of love is not hatred, it's indifference, right? So, um, I've heard lots of stories where kids were like, I, I tried to do everything to try to get my, my dad's attention or my parents' attention. And they just never cared, you know, matter, no matter how much I rebelled or how much I tried to do, they just, they just didn't really care. And that was almost worse than if they, you know, than being hated was to just be um, disregarded. And so mm -hmm. uh, I think that's actually where the joy is, is that uh, God does care enough to yeah. discipline me. Yeah, uh, but he's not going to put me to death. He's not going to condemn me forever. So I know that my, my father will inflict a refining pain, I guess, of discipline, but, um, but I know that he will not. Um, so in the moment, I don't know that we're necessarily expected to find happiness uh, <laughs> in, in it um, in the moment, but we know that the long-term joy, our, our father cares and he does respond because he doesn't want us to destroy our lives or destroy others. So yeah, yeah, very good. Anybody else have a question? You can raise your physical hand. Cool. Well, I don't want to prolong this too long. I do have one thing I wanted to mention. Um, uh, you know, I just I'm just struck by the. You know the the call for salvation 
uh, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. So was the rejection of Jesus actually God caused? Is that kind of what it's saying? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, which is building language. But Jesus, the one who saves, will actually be rejected by the people who shouldn't reject him. But he'll be victorious anyway. Mm-hmm. And God is credited in this. So was it... Um, was was God at the heart of the rejection of Jesus? Uh, so that's a great question. Um, and I would say, I think based on Acts 2, you could say, yes, the Lord's hand was in it. Um, I don't know that Psalm 118 here is crediting the rejection of the stone, so to speak, with to the Lord. I think rather what's being emphasized here is that the builders reject the stone but the Lord, again, it's a, it's, an, it's a picture of reversal. So they thought this stone is worthless, and the Lord is actually able to say, actually, it's not worthless, and I'm going to build the whole structure around it. Uh, this is going to be the essential stone. Um, and I think that that's what's going on here. And by the way, um, verse 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, a lot of people use that as like, a, hey, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Like, just be happy. And actually, I think it's a here it's saying this is the day the Lord saved us. Let's let's be happy in this day that he saved us. And I think that's actually related to this. The stone the builders rejected. The Lord has changed everything from what people expected and now is using this uh, centrally for his good purposes. So um, so that's what I would say in answer to that. I do think that, yes, the Lord was orchestrating. Uh, the rejection and death of Christ, but I don't know that this psalm uh, clearly points to that the Lord is rejecting or behind the rejection here. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I was I was teeing you up for Acts there. Yeah. It, okay. So yeah, it's not exactly what uh, this psalmist is saying, but yeah, in the long run, we do see that there is a connection there. Yeah, that God is even the rejection there was part of God's plan. One last, uh, one last thing here. I think John picks up this theme in verse 27. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us, mm-hmm. which was in John 1. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so Jesus is coming in. There's, you know, um, this, uh, the triumphal entry. Uh, but then I just find it fascinating. The very next sentence, bind the feastal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Um, the fact that those two sentences are back together, back to back, that the light that enters the temple is also going to be the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily what the psalmist intends here, but I think the Holy Spirit in the long run is showing uh, showing us that it's one and the same. This light yeah. of, of God will also be the bound sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so good. just amazing, amazing uh, the way the Holy Spirit arranged the scriptures. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, to say more than maybe even the author knew at the time. Um, yeah. So, okay. Any other questions? All right. Thank you everybody for, um, for participating this morning. I know this is not ideal, but uh, I was actually really pleased with, with how it went. And thank you, Melody and Justin. Uh, the singing went better than I thought it would. Uh, just really good. Thank you for leading us in that way. And um, and shouldering so much of the load this morning. And thank you to all of you um, for joining in. 
And uh, for those of you that are live streaming on YouTube, there's several of you over there, which I'm really grateful for. So let us know if there's any way that we can be praying for you or connecting with you. Uh, we're going to just keep an eye on things and hope to be back to our normal operations next Sunday, but uh, just stay posted and we'll see sort of how things play out. But um, uh, let me just give you a benediction this morning. It's just straight from Psalm 118, 8 and 9. Uh, this is just a good reminder, I think, for us, especially in a time of a lot of political stuff going on. This is just a good reminder for us to, 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 uh, to embed in our heart and have in, in the front of our minds this week. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. May that be true. May that be on the front of our minds um, throughout this week, uh, that the Lord is a refuge and he's the best refuge that we have. So whatever we face this week, let's find refuge in him above all else. Amen. Okay, well, um, I, you know, it, the hardest part of a Zoom meeting is knowing how to end it. So I guess I'll just say you're dismissed. Have a great week. Connect with one another in some sort of way and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org.